Howdy folks, it is Tuesday, August 30th, 2011. I'm Skip Ruddertail, your Otter Editor, and with me, as always, well, except last week when I wasn't here, but he is, is... Toonses, the driving cat, the cat that does, in fact, drive a car, as I will be again when I leave the city for the cozy countryside over the winter months. Because, you know, fuck it, it's cold. Yeah, we've got, it's a little bit of a, a... Weird episode, because, well, we're a day late uh, posting, and this probably won't be posted until Tuesday, so it'll probably be two days late this week, and because it's been a little bit of a goofy week here in D.C., you know, since lives in D.C., I lived in in Maryland between Baltimore and D.C., and yet we had an earthquake last week, which didn't do any damage in D.C., but it was very odd for those of us who aren't used to having earthquakes. Well, in classic DC fashion, we couldn't decide if we should be destroyed by an earthquake or if we should be destroyed by a hurricane, and in the end, we got neither. Yeah, yeah, so we got the hurricane, um, and, you know, Irene, so this is the hurricane episode, so we were going to record on Saturday evening, decided to hold off just in case, wasn't bad, but there were a lot of trees and power lines down, so I'm glad we waited, you know, I mean, as important as our podcast is. Yeah. Thanks, Pepco. Thanks, Pepco. So, uh, yeah, but the big news, I think, is, as uh, Toons has just hinted at, is that he's going to be going back to Pennsylvania for a few months, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm an unhappy camper about, but, you know, he's going to do some things with his family, he's going to earn some money, he's going to be back in D.C. later on uh, to, you know, do some college, be back working in D.C., you know, finish some college, I should say, because he's already got some. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, he's going to be away for a few months, and I'm going to miss having him yep. around all hey, the time. Skip, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. It's, it, it's been showing me some wonderful hospitality. We had some delicious, the enchiladas. Yeah. Like, hmm? yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, like you're pondering as if I said it wrong or something. Yeah. I'm sorry. We had some wonderful enchiladas, and I say, like, it's some crazy. Uh, Cuisine for me, yeah. I, like I don't even remember. Like I saw, like I couldn't recognize the, the the name on the menu at the restaurant or something like that. That's <laughs> what it's like for me. At this, there you point. Go. yes, Bun cooked us <laughs> Bun cooked enchiladas for our dinner. So because he's awesome, even though he he puts on his headphones during the podcast. So. But that's okay. That's okay. oh, see, he's laughing. He can hear us despite the headphones. All right, oh, let it, let him play his game. Come uh, on, let's I'm talk, letting let's him play his game. Story. Uh, well, we're here for let the me story. let me say a little thing first and let people know what we're planning on doing. So, never fear for those of you who miss the dare I say classic Tunes's skip rapport. Um, we're gonna be. Trying to work out, you know, how to record remotely um, from Toons' undisclosed location mm, in, Amish in Pennsylvania, in Amish country, deep in a missile silo in Amish country. No, in Amish country. That's what you're going to call your gay bar in no. Amish country, the missile silo. No, the, the damn field. field. The, the what? The cornfield. Oh, the cornfield. I don't yeah. know. I like the missile silo. <laughs> um, but we're going to, you know, set up some Skype recording and, you know, try a couple things so. 
Um, we're going to do our best. The sound quality may be a little wonky next time. We're going to figure it out and uh, get something good, I think, for everybody. But we will have our normally scheduled podcasts. Um, we have a new, you know, new story coming up next week, and we'll be discussing this in two weeks and doing this, you know, mm-hmm. remote podcasting deal. Um, and Toons has said he would be coming down to visit us sometimes. So. He, he will have a car to drive, so yeah. he actually will That's be the thing is, a that, driving cat. No public transit in Amish country, so I will have to be, once again, a driving cat. But, you know, only for so long. Only for so long. So that'll be cool. So he will be back visiting, and we'll just make sure that those visits uh-huh. coincide with, with an episode, right? For sure. Right. Okay. necessarily have to. <laughs> so... But, yeah, Under important matters, though, yes. you you thought that Sparf and I were a little harsh on the story last time. I on Alpha, on Alpha did. I did. I'd like to give just, I don't and know, I a short five-minute, maybe no, not even for one that thing, long. For one thing, it's not our fault we didn't like You're it. You're interrupting I mean, come again. Come on. Oh, you, you're talking <laughs> for, like, five minutes. Talk about five-minute oh, skip. You relax. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's not our fault we didn't like it, okay? I'm sorry. And like we said, Alpha is still uh, a great. Well, so now, you're, now you're saying you didn't like it. That's what I said last time. I don't know if you said that last. Time. No, for sure. You I may have gone a little further this time. Uh, but what I'm yeah. saying is, but no, we're saying no. What we said last time was this story didn't work for us. But uh, we know Alpha is a good writer, and we'd like to have him back on on mm-hmm. on the show again. And we, we'd love to have another story from Alpha. Uh, but you you still thought we were a little aggressive. But I thought you, you, you were. Uh, I thought, well, there are a couple things I wanted to talk about the story, because it's a little interesting. So we, let me, let me lay out a little of what happened here. So this podcast was kind of fraught with various issues, some of which you alluded to last week, but, um, Mm -hmm. one of which I wanted to mention because I thought it was interesting in that it didn't even occur to me as being an issue. Uh-huh. Um, and that was originally you'd asked another friend who, you know, we're not going to name right now, but to do the podcast with you. Uh-huh. And he called you up like the day you were going to do it. Right. And said, I won't do this story. And then you called me up and said, we can't do this story. And I went, oh. what? You know, because I was on vacation and freaking out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's yep. neither here. Nor. I still brought you back something. So, uh-huh. you know, I love you. <laughs> that's what it is. Things mean love, right? Yeah, but okay. I- um, so, I shock you because I care. <laughs> uh, so, I, I didn't understand what was even going. I didn't understand what the deal was. And what this um, guy said was, I can't do it because it's a cub story. Because he's underage. Uh-huh. And I was just dumbfounded. Honestly, I gotta say. I mean, I, it was like, he's a junior in high school. Uh-huh. That means he's like 17. Right. You know, 16 or 17, juniors in high school uh-huh. are going to be doing other juniors. And, you know, they're going to be having sex in most cases, I think. And so right. it's not like it's I would not call that a cub story and that they're not like 10 and 11 or like six years old or anything. You know, they're people that in our society in the U.S. are quite often expected to be sexually active by that age. Right. So I didn't see that as crossing that line. And in, you know, most states in the U.S., that is the, you know, the age of consent uh-huh. is 16 or 17. So I, that, I thought that was interesting that that threw him. And you did talk about that a little bit, but I wanted to share my reaction was it didn't even, that didn't even occur to me 
as being an issue in this story. So that was interesting that someone, to me, you know, picked up on this and was upset enough by it to, you know, not want to do it. And I, I respect that's fine. You know, that's that's cool, and we'll have them on for another Some story sometime. Some people just sometime. have certain boundaries. Yeah, and absolutely. perhaps 18 is a boundary. Mm-hmm. That, absolutely. And so I'd be reasonable. interested to see, you know, what other folks thought. Um, but I, I think listening to your comments, you inspire who, um, you know, once again, we'll have to have on again, because that was great. Uh, Listening to your comments, I think it was interesting that in some ways, commenter on our webpage that kind of said, you know, haven't you guys heard of magic? Chill out. You know, in terms of searching for the realism. I mean, you did talk a little bit about magic in your discussion, but most of your discussion was focused on is this guy real? I don't get if he's real or not. I don't get why he can see him and somebody else can't. Okay, but you know what it was absent of? It was absent com- com- entirely of mysticism. Mm-hmm. There's no, oh, I found the secret amulet under my bed and now all of a sudden but he's real. There was that? no. Why do you need because that? Because why? Why not have a little window dressing on it at least? If you're going to ask me to make the leap of faith that this person is coming for a real fall, to, to realsy's life mm-hmm. from the book, at least throw me a bone here. But we don't know that. I mean, that's a is, magical phrase that, that does That is it. a Jeez little bit left open. You know, we don't know for sure whether it's he's left open is a, is a nice way of putting it. But I kind of like that. I mean, here here's the thing. Like I saw again, and we've done a several of these, and you actually did. Um, Sparf, to his credit, did mention occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, and I'm I was excited about that because not only is it a short story, but it was also a Twilight Zone episode. Right. And we've talked before. Al Flores, little horror story. We've talked before that I think some of this stuff are a little bit Twilight Zone episodish, And this would be the kind of thing they'd do, where they'd leave one person seeing it. Or the classic one is probably William Shatner and the Gremlin on the Wing, right? Uh-huh. Where you've seen this one. I, I don't remember right. what it is. Something at 30,000 feet. Um, you know, there's something on the wing. Spot. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, right, there's the Grimlin outside. He sees it every time he calls his wife for the stewardess. You know, nobody sees it. And he brought, and he's brought, you know, he opens a plane, shoots it. You know, everybody thinks he's crazy. He's brought off the plane, you know, in a straitjacket, you know, raving. Uh-huh. And then the very last shot of the episode is showing that part of the metal engine cowling has been deformed and bent off. Uh-huh. But that's the only... And it's this very kind of little right at the end, but that's the only evidence you have that this is real. But it's, it's that kind of open thing. And so, I, I don't know, for me, and maybe it's because I'm an anthropologist, and anthropologists don't like concrete answers, that worked for me. That was okay. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, kinda, I was kind of with that commentator who said, you know, it's magic. Don't sweat that part so much. The other thing I'd say is that our our lion in this story, who he sees, is why this is there, why it's sex, is because the story's metaphorical. Right. In that his... And, and you could say what you will about, you know, it's kind of cheesy and how could somebody be cured from cancer? Well, Sparf said that does happen sometimes. But... That, you know, one of the things kind of maybe holding him back from fighting, and I'm not saying holding him back from getting better, but at least from fighting to get better, from having the will to live, right? which is important, is that he is afraid of what his parents do. He is afraid 
of his sexuality. That's why he mm-hmm. has sex. Because, I mean, think, also, he's 17. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's, he's, uh, he's a high schooler. He's discovering who he is as a person and as a sexual person. Mm-hmm. And they're, that's what he's hung up on. That's the thing holding him back. Right. From growing up or from getting better okay. or whatever. you. And so that's why it's there. That's why there's sex there. Partially, it's a metaphor for what's... You know, the line is a metaphor for what's holding him back and who he has to be and who he can be. Right. So, I don't know. I... I, I, I it's interesting. No, I... I it's interesting what I got out of it and what you guys got out of it. But I wanted to say those few kind of my takes on it and why I, um, you know, wanted to do this story. Right. So, but I can see, I think some of the, no, I, I, and I want to say a lot of the criticisms, and I understand where you guys are coming from with the criticisms that you had, but I wanted to kind of interject a counter viewpoint. Well, for me, the, the, uh, the subject's age was only a, like a small bit of discomfort for it, just mm-hmm. because I, I combined with that fact is just the fact that he seems to be in such a vulnerable vulnerable position mm-hmm. as a cancer patient. It really just doesn't make make you feel like that. Yeah. And then I think to be asked to like enjoy this as a pornographic piece, like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it didn't really float my boat. But I think as a, more in terms of uh, just as a story, I didn't like that emotionally just tugged you along in random places. Mm-hmm. Um, going here or there, so yeah, the sex is a metaphor, whatever. The, the, the larger, <laughs> the larger sin, the larger sin. I thought was just how um, indelicately mm-hmm. it all was put together, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of the writing craft, as it were, maybe. Yeah, just sometimes it doesn't come together. Huh. That's all, you know. Okay. I mean, whatever. In your opinion, sometimes you lose the game. <laughs> so, I mean, come oh, on, you know. I disagree. No, it worked for you, like I said, but I can understand if it didn't. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting what you said about the hospital setting. And I was saying to uh, a friend of mine the other day that if you look at what's most popular in uh, furry literature right now, um, they're romance novels and adventure novels. And they're things that are, in a large extent, fairly safe stories. And fairly comfortable stories. They're relatable stories. Right. And we don't see a lot of... Um, we haven't seen a lot of stories in furry literature the whole yet with um, protagonists who are dislike, You know, disliked. Or unlikable protagonists. Things like that. Which, you know, are, are novels that are really kind of pushing the bounds of what's comfortable and what's safe. And I think we will see these things as... Um, the as as free literature expands in scope, as we see more authors, as we see more books, I think we will start seeing, you know, books that make people uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, and I in think what that's way? a good thing. Uncomfortable in what way? Well, I think in 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 I'm using that term very loosely because I think it it could be in many ways. So it could be in this case seeing. We just you want know, somebody to have a sharper edge, essentially. Sometimes, not not all, and not all in all. I'm not saying that it needs to, but I'm saying that there should be some works that do. I'm not saying everything has to change because I certainly love the romance novels and adventure mm-hmm. stories, but I'm saying it's good, you know, if there is, you know, if there are books along that you know challenge 
people's perceptions of the world right. or make them think in ways well, that maybe they're not do you think comfortable that, thinking. This sounds like something that writing should do generally, but mm-hmm. do you think uh, are there any, maybe any reason why furry writing would be particularly suited to this? I think partially is it's something we've talked about in the past in terms of science fiction in that it can be a way to talk about things in our world that are problematic and upset people. So, you know, right off the bat, I'd say, you know, issues of racism, for instance. One thing that has been broached, obviously, is issues of sexuality, mm-hmm. um, which for a lot of parts of society is still a very uncomfortable issue. I'm, I'm kind of maybe unfairly leaving that out of the discussion because it isn't, I don't think, but these in things- furry. These things um, are, are, are easier to express because they're given they're like, easier this, to express this veil of Because animism. there is a distance, right, exactly. You know, we can, we can and that's the same with science fiction, there's, a, there's an artificial distance imposed by the construct, setting it in, oh, a distant galaxy or a future world, and, oh, you know, we're in a distant galaxy or a future world or they're animal people, but we're going to talk about racism. So it, and it's more, it's easier to get people to read that you're talking about racism in a distant galaxy sometimes unfortunately than it is talking about racism in the country they live because that's an issue they have to confront and maybe they're not comfortable with or they don't want to confront it because they don't want to think that they may be guilty of certain kinds of thinking so I think it, it's an opportunity that furry has. Um, it's, a, it's a mental condom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Very good. Yeah, it just ra- just wrap it around your head, and so you can that's think, his, all, that's think his all the dirty thoughts you want. That's his highlight for the folks' say. night. He's going to leave. Uh, thank you for coming, Tunes. You don't we won't get any better than that. That was great. Uh, see you next time. All right. Uh, well, that's kind. Of, I think that sounds to me like that's how you're describing it. I think so. I think there is a little bit of that. Um, it's something that. Teaching and teaching anthropology at a college level, when we would get in, in doing the roots of racism class, for example, we start out with racism in other societies in other countries, mm-hmm. and we start or we start out with racism in the U.S. in you know when slavery was legal or you know earlier than that, so, and we work or we'll you know go up to the sixties. It isn't until halfway through the semester that we talk about the structural ways that racism impacts our present-day society in the U.S. Because people aren't... If you start off with that, even at a college level, some people in the class are just going to shut down because they don't want to believe it, and so they choose not to. And you have to kind of lay out this groundwork in that case of here's evidence... Here's what's been going on. And then by the time you get to what's happening now, it all makes sense with, you know, the historical and other data you've learned. And I think so sci-fi, you know, it's kind of a way to cut that background learning out and because you're only trying to get it across in a story. Right. Um, So you can kind of bypass this and then, you know, hopefully, you know, there's a connection made. It can be really badly done. There was that, you know, classic Star Trek episode where the people had black faces on one side and white faces on the other, and the guys they were fighting had had them switched around, and that was kind of dorky. But, (laughs) uh, you know, if if it's done well, 
uh, I think it can make people introspective so and make people is, think. It's just a, a naturally uh, potent place to put any kind of uh, mm-hmm. social commentary. I'd say sci-fi traditionally has had more of a social commentary bent than fantasy. Fantasy is interesting because it's almost the opposite. And I there was an uh, that's interesting because we're talking about fantasy today. We are, we are. No, and this is sci-fi. This is, is sci-fi. Yeah, it just seems like a fantasy to me the way they're describing it. Okay, well we could talk about that because often the difference is fuzzy. But it, there was a neat observation from uh, what is Anne Lackey, who's one of the editors of Podcastle, which is a great fantasy podcast. Uh, was observing that why is it that in all our fantasy stories they're all monarchies? And everyone is sitting there, you know, they're overthrowing the monarchy or trying to set up their own family to be the next monarch. And, you know, what the hell, you know, why aren't the good guys, you know, why are the good guys working for another monarch or something or trying to set up another monarch? And so in this weird way, I think she's saying in in a lot of social ways, uh, a lot of fantasy is kind of this weird, archaic, undemocratic model. Do you think that's because fantasy is supposed to necessarily reflect the past and that's what our past is? But it isn't. So all, maybe that's we're a, little a funny bit... thing because it isn't. You know, what about, you know, Athens as, you know, it's just a flawed democracy, but still more democratic, you know, fewer white and male, um, mm-hmm. and citizen to male, but, you know, there's democracy. Or the Roman Republic with all its flaws. So there are other kinds of, or the, a lot of the, um, well, let's say maybe, a lot of the, you know, hunter-gatherer groups, which have no hierarchy, you know, so there are, you know, pre-industrial models that are non-monarchical, non-chieftain hierarchies. So then why are fantasy nerds just so caught up with kings and queens? I I, that's a good question. That's a really good question. So I don't know. You're if the if listeners, I am reading Game of Thrones. But I'm yeah, sorry. and the good guys are right, trying to be kings. So that's a little like... <laughs> Okay, how is this better? And it is not about the common people, really, at all. Nope, it isn't. It's about dragons. So how is this? How is this better? You know, so in sci-fi, where a lot of sci-fi is about the common people or the common people trying to be something more, and a lot of the fantasy books, if it is a common person, what do they want to do? They want to end up being a knight or a king, mm-hmm. so they're not common anymore. Um, and the segue into talking about the story, they call yeah, the dude my lord. The they call the dude my lord. And I thought, at the, on first read, this dude must have been a king. That was my first read <laughs> in the story. I thought, absolutely, okay, this guy's a king or something like that. And, 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 and my my comment to you there, sir, is obviously you need to mix up your uh, BDSM scenes a little more. Or your, uh, your repertoire. But you know what, but it's you like calling advantage. somebody master. You've been reading this this series for like... 1800 years or something yes. like that. Oh, I should say that. Yes, this is, um, you know, this is Elf K. Sternberg's, uh, his, from the journals of Kenan Shardick, Ken Shardick, uh, series, which has been going since like 1996. It's the longest running, it's um, currently running? longest, yeah, it's currently, he's still writing it, uh, longest running and longest number of words, I think, uh, sci fi anthology series on the internet. Uh, at this point. So he's been writing it forever. It has a um, fairly considerable non-furry following, too, because he's, you know, has it, had it hosted, at least back in the day, I think he still does on on non-furry sites, like Nifty Archive. But, so I remember reading some of this, I remember reading some of these, like, I want to say, 
If not high school, definitely college. So is so it- I've been reading these for a long time. So we're talking like, you know, 2000 or something mm-hmm. since I've been reading these. And this particular one was singled out because, and I don't know, I don't know offhand when this story was written. Um, but it was kind of one of my favorites. Uh, this one for, really turned for, your cranks? What? This one really turned your cranks? It does turn my cranks, yes. Uh-huh, yes. cool. It's a good, it was a good pause story, and well, I liked not it. not specifically, because there's a lot going on. There in is this. a they lot do, They do it. tease, like, a bunch of little things. It's an eclectic little story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really fix, fixate on one That's one cake. of the other reasons. We've done a bunch of heavy stories lately, and so I wanted to do something that was lighter and more fun. You know, this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't heavy um, issues, you know, this is You're having people. another man impregnate your wife. Not that serious. <laughs> well, let's get to that. But um, I, I do want to say, too, that we have talked in the past about furry crushes. And I remember a couple weeks ago, you know, I said, oh, yeah, I used to back in the day, I had crushes on Falstaff. And you were like, who's that? And I said, a lot of people had crushes on Chester, like Fuzzwolf, who's that? Fuzzwolf, by the way, said, Fuzzwolf, by the way, flipped out when he heard you say, who's that? He wants to, he, he was at the con at Rocky Mountain for a con and wanted me to let you Wait, know what did that I say? you're a child. What did I say? <laughs> so said, I said that. he had a crush on, I said, you know, Fuzz has had a crush for years on uh, Chester by Terry Smith. And you're like, who's that? And he was outraged when he heard that. He was outraged. He should have explained it to me first. Yes. He's a ring ring tail. What is it? A camisile or whatever you call them. But, you know, very distinctive. Mm. Um, And been in many different comics. Uh, But anyway, very popular. So Fuzz finally got a commission from her. So that was like the big deal. Of himself with Chester. Of course. Well, I also have, for many years, had a furry crush on one of the characters in this story. Aiden? Yeah. Why Aiden? I had a serious, serious furry crush on Aiden. Because skunks are sexy. Well, they, they used to be mustelids like otters, but apparently they're their own thing now, as they've done genetic testing. Oh. Yeah, that, That's crazy. I used to be, when I started in furry, this is the whole time, uh, when I started in furry, I was a Lutra Canadiensis. Sapiens, if you will. Oh, you're going to be Latin. Oh, well, well, really? I, I think I'm Sapiens, don't you? Wait, 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 wait. Go through the, go through the Latin terms again. Lutra Canadiensis Sapiens. I thought you were American. I thought you were from Denver. Well, no. Lutra Canadiensis was the North American River Otter name. Oh. That's the binomial nomenclature. Oh. And I figure as long as we're, I'm a talking river otter, I must be a sapien. So, you know, it's like we're homo... Okay. That's like our full name, our full... We're homo sapiens, but we're... sapiens just means, like, intelligent. Right, intelligent. so we're homo sapiens, but we're actually homo sapiens sapiens, because... Yeah, homo sapiens sapiens. Well, some of us. Yeah. Some of us, right. Um, but now, thanks to genetic testing, uh, apparently North American otters branched off of European otters well earlier, so now we are Lantra... L-O-N-T-R-A. Lantra Canadiensis. Um, but also genetic testing revealed that we, skunks were methods, now they're more distantly related. So they're their own thing. So they're, you know, still kind of, they're otter kin, but they're not as close otter kin. But anyway, so like skunks, for, like for Aiden, evolution. and as you wrote in your notes, Aiden has a big donger. 
Yeah, I think that's the exact phrase I used. Yes, yes. So let's just say, you know, I, I like thinking about Aiden um, <laughs> doing things to Aiden, similar to what Ken does to Aiden in this story. So there you go. So you imagine yourself in Ken's place in this well, story? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so bold or rude. Oh, come on now. <laughs> For reals. Um, so, I don't know. I've been talking so much so far. Why don't you... Like you said, it's one of the more BDSM stories we've uh, covered in yeah. this. and Which I wanted to do, because we hadn't done that, and they're fun. It, it got started off with tickling. Is um, tickling that's something that's always is. been... A, I don't get that, though, the tickling. Because my, my first response to, to being tickled is actually absolute panic. Yeah. And I think that's already the weird response to it to have. But I think, aside from that, you should just be the kind of laughing and giggly, but it's actually like a sexual response, really? In that it is, you know, in that BSDM is often sexual response in the things that are uncomfortable huh. or upsetting. I mean, you're, 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 you, if, you're, you, if you're doing in the S&M part, you are you're hurting someone to, you know, provoke a sexual... To provoke an endorphin rush. Right, so it's like the same thing, essentially? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can kind of, you know, you, there is a such thing as tickle torture, and you can, you know, lump that in. There are people into that. I mean, if you go on, my friend uh, Dr. C, who is a doctor, um, but also does passion parties, which are sort of Tupperware parties passion with pro- sex toys. Oh, dear. And she does this, all these women, like, she goes to their houses with her thing of sex toys and shows them off, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, there are, I mean, if you look through a catalog, there are all sorts of, like, feather things and, and ticklers, so it's fairly common. It was, um, they kept saying, I love you, that's what it was. Ah. I was like, okay, here's the deal, is, I, I, I like BDSM a lot, but I think that there are different flavors of BDSM that people mm-hmm. like, and I think that people can be very particular about the flavor of BDSM they're into, more so than they are about... The, the, the different spheres that they mm-hmm. fall into. So, so, you know, two people might both be into feet, two people might both be, both, both be into spanking, they might both be into being tied up, mm-hmm. but they have totally different, I think, maybe structures or way of viewing these things in their head, you know, the different pathways that make them pleasurable, pleasurable to them. And uh, I think what maybe took this one down the wrong path for me was it just seemed so very particular and ordered and safe and intimate and I, I think that's embodied in how much they were saying I love you I love uh, you I love and you and see what I, I would love what you. I would add to this I don't want to but is, the thing is no but I want to just preempt this by saying I don't it seems like a weird critique to make because this is like you said a serial mm-hmm. and of course these characters have very deep relationships for each other that get developed these characters are in fact married yeah they're married but I love you I love you I, 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 between uh, even married characters it, eh. it didn't see it this seems a weird way to mix to me. Up. That seemed particularly genuine, and maybe that's just because you know I've been with Bun. <laughs> it seems genuine. That's not it what it seemed genuine for me, I guess, because I've been with you know Bun for thirteen years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. It seemed that didn't throw me. So I'm it's like interesting that-, that you latched onto that as, or it was something that. Kind of bother you? De- not a lot, but a little bit, I guess. I'm not doubting the genuineness of the of the sentiment within mm-hmm. the context of the story. I'm saying when it comes to BDSM, love isn't really the 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 expression that I think a lot of people are going for. But sometimes. I think it I think it, it no, can no, no, no. be if you know if these characters like this are married. I mean, that's one thing that you know I I don't know it, it's 
it's a weird. Well, I don't want to yeah. critique it. Like I said, I'm mm-hmm. just saying it's it's a different thing for me to see a story that is that is BDSM that is so deeply hinged upon uh, intimate, like obviously reciprocated and positive feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think one should 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 do a, a BDSM story that way? Like that's not really it doesn't really sound like the standard to me. It's not, and you know, so maybe at some point, uh, if if you or one of our other listeners wants to pick out something that they maybe is more of a conventional BDSM story, or one that, say, involves people who are strangers or more casual acquaintances. I mean, I think this is, you're right, this is a very particular BDSM story in that these are married people yeah. doing this, and that when does definitely color the interaction that takes place. And that's kind of one of the things I think I like about the story, though, actually, is that it's it's intense, and yet it ends up, you know, it's going to the shower more, together and going yeah. to the bed together, and this kind of, That's it's this positive. kind of interlude of intenseness that ends up with kind of a return to, I don't know, domestic normalcy or something, which... I kind of like, or I kind of kind of thought was neat, because I haven't seen that in a lot of stories. And we don't see a lot of stories, I think, either involving couples that have been married a long time. Like, if we either see people who aren't married, you know, or meeting up in porn stories, or, you know, maybe we'll see newlyweds, you know, that's a big trope. Mm-hmm. But we don't often see porn stories in people that have been married a long time is kind of interesting too and I think that's what makes this a little bit of an unusual porn story but I feel like yeah. Elf captured those feelings very well for me for sure I mean it's, it's very well written the Prince thing is, for as short as it was, as short as our little excerpt was mm-hmm. I, it, the characters in it became incredibly well, well detailed and fleshed mm-hmm. out and that's something you can only do when you've been writing for a long time yeah. and, and putting a lot of attention into these characters and what's neat about the story is they, they managed to do it even though this is you know one tiny little interlude in their mm-hmm. lives and one tiny little chapter in this larger story so this isn't the first time any of them have been mm-hmm. introduced um, there are a couple little weird things that you know wanted to clarify so Rowan at a couple points most of it, I think, stands on its own. Maybe there are a couple questions... And I think the story does stand on its own. There are a couple points where I think people may ask a question. Uh, so, like, Rowan um, used to be an AI. used to be, like, a computer brain that ran Rish, which was now. the pleasure house. And she there was an accident. I don't remember the details, I confess. But there was some kind of accident, and now she is in a body. And that's what some of those comments are about, you know, saying I was so mad at you at first because she'd been taken out of this AI connected into everything, connected in the internet, and is now in this body. And it's at the same time kind of restrictive and open to new sensations for her. Um, So that's what that was about. And that's maybe, I think, the only kind of question that people might have hearing the story as a standalone that would really kind of be, what was that? Or what she's talking about. I think the rest of it um, stands on its own pretty well. And the way this was split up, it was kind of um, the straight porn mm-hmm. B feature followed by the gay porn A feature. <laughs> so it's like the the, the 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 straight porn was like all, all kind of like not I want to say not entirely serious, not mm-hmm. entirely passionate. It might even be the best. It's way not to put passionate. It. I think that's 
that's one of the interesting. Well, I'll say Ken is extremely bisexual. Our right. main character, Ken, and Radically he sleeps. Bi. He's married to Panissa, who goes off at the beginning with her surfer guy, and mm-hmm. he's married to Aiden. So he has two spouses. Oh yes, and that that's okay on this planet. That, yes, why not? I, I thought I thought you said it wasn't fantasy. It's sci-fi. Because it's in the future, and most of the stuff is technical. The different... Okay, this is the weird, fuzzy barrier between sci-fi and fantasy. Sci-fi is... Hard sci-fi has to be strictly possible within the realms of either current or predicted technology. Not a lot of people write in hard sci-fi. Like, Star Wars is not hard sci-fi because we don't have, you know, hyperdrives right. or anything like that yet. Right. Um, 2001 sort of is until, you know, the aliens come up. But in terms of the spaceships envisioned and using artificial gravity by spinning the ship, that's a hard sci-fi. That's predicted, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically based science. Um, fantasy, loosely, there's magic. There's magic. And that is the basis. Now, of course, Arthur C. Clarke famously said, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Except not really. Because it's it's not magic. If you're primitive enough, (laughs) right, you can't tell the difference. Um, You know, science looks like magic if if your understanding is weak enough, basically, is what he said. Mm. Um, So, right, if you went back and, you know, and threw up... uh, I don't know. Um, you know, if you went back to 1800 and showed, you know, Independence Day where they're blowing up the White House, everybody there was like, oh my God, the White House blew up. You know, they're, they're not going to know that that's a movie. So, yeah, so there's this stupid example. Right. Um, that's a very, very stupid example. I apologize. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so that's kind of the barrier. And there's some stories that kind of stride it. So for Anne McCaffrey's Pern books are often classified as fantasy because they have dragons. But if you read the books, you know, I would argue, and I think most science fiction people have read them, would argue they're science fiction because these dragons are, it's an alien species and it's genetic modification and all these developments, right. you know, using So it's not science. really much of a... So it, okay. it's a, sometimes it's a fuzzy boundary, but that's kind of it. So this world, Pendor, is science-based mm-hmm. rather than magic-based, letting them, you know, do, like, these AI things uh, in these species. Um, that is one thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up. What's that? Well... We've seen this in, in, in all sorts of furry worlds, and it's, I think it's if you're writing a novel in the furry realm, it's kind of an issue you have to create, or not create, address furry kids. Because how do we get, how do we get furry kids? And that's one of the reasons I like the story, because it addresses that in a way that I feel is very What stories do you read that, it, that require, you to, to require you to procure furry kids? Well... <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. No, but I mean, seriously, if you look at um, most stories, they either don't address the issue, or they'll say have their two protagonists, like, you know, a, a wolf will fall in love with a fox. You know, whether it's a guy wolf and a girl fox, right. or a guy fox and a girl fox, but they'll fall in love and, you know, whatever. And 
that'll happen, and there'll be other events. But mm-hmm. the issue won't necessarily be that he's a wolf and she's a fox. Um, and and then when it comes to children, that issue usually isn't brought up. Or you'll see in comics like some of the kids will be foxes and some of them will be wolves. Yeah, or all the favorite. girls, all the girls will be foxes and all the boys will be wolves. That's yeah. kind of Disney approach, maybe. Lady and the Tramp, I think, did that. Yeah, um, you know. So it or uh, you know. So that is that. You know, kind of how are these species? Interbreeding, or sometimes really, this what is a would pressing be concern for you when you're reading when you're reading I fairy do stories. Wonder, don't you wonder about that? No, I know you don't ever sit bit. there when you're reading stories and go like, huh? No, no, no. Well, I do. I think it might be. It's fun to construct a reason around it. I mean, especially if it, if it plays some kind of role in the story, it might make some kind of interesting, you know, device. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I, I just the one don't other like to think person about it. I saw, I saw, I think handling this issue in a in a kind of more realistic way was um, Scout, and he used to write way back in the day as well. But his main character, um, you know, was a mutt. And most of the people in his world were mutts, because they could interbreed. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a few people who were generally kind of the patrician classes, as it were, who were purebred and kind of made a point of, you know, oh, we're still purebred foxes. Right. But they were only a narrow segment of people, and they were like, you know, these very rich, kind of snooty, out-of-touch-with-it people, whereas everybody else had been interbreeding forever, Mm -hmm. and were all mutts to various degrees. Um, Which I think would happen in any kind of, you know, big furry world where people are thrown together along, and if they could, if they couldn't interbreed, then I think what happens in this story is kind of a logical... So in this story, there's a logical way to approach it. Yeah, they can't interbreed, but they might be close enough to mate, like you know, donkeys. Their their parts are compatible, right? And that's actually explained in in this overall story as well. And I won't get into all the the background of that, but that that kind of is explained. Um, but you know, so Aiden and Rowan are skunks. Ken's a human, and this is a Tyndall, which is a sort of alien. Um, so, you know, a skunk, you know, they can, they can bump and grind, but they can't have babies. You know, a skunk in, say, an otter in this world, or a skunk in a human in this world. Um, it has to be a skunk and a skunk. And so what do couples do, you know, where the one couple is, you know, the guy is a a human and the... They what? They indulge the cuckolding. They fetish. indulge in the cuckolding fetish, but it's all consensual. But it's like right. So, if you if we want to have a kid, thing. how does a couple of two different species have a kid? Well, they they get a friend or they get a donor, yeah, to help them with the kid. Sounds so like I I kind of like that solution. I think it was, and that's kind of one of the things that also appeals to me about it. But it is it Nothing does go back to this. It does go back to this. This these are this is a story about at its heart about this married threesome, I guess, you know, in their life, mm-hmm. to, their lives together and the things they do. So it, it is a different kind of porn story in that it's about these people who have been together. Aiden comes in late. He actually gets married to Aiden later, but it is about these people who are, you know, living their lives together long term With two other as bitches who aren't mentioned in the story. Hmm? With two other bitches that aren't really mentioned in the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're the ones that, you know, they're friends and they're brought in the, 
have the kids or whatever. All sounds very communal, very friendly. All very communal. It is a very friendly place. <laughs> and that is in the story, too. Like, they have Pandora, which is the planet this is on, has some, at times, strained relations with Earth because the Earth people are a little more prudish when it comes to these sorts of arrangements and cross-species uh, hookups and marriages so, and whatnot. Do we still have the Jesuits in this in this future time? Hopefully. Not. Better. Jesuits. They're okay. But the Jesuits were the first ones that, that came across and said, well, look, if you're not going to act right and only marry one person, we're definitely going to kill you. Yeah, well, that was, you know, I mean, this, that's the old school. It's the new school Jesuits, you know. Yeah, they've reformed. They're cool they now. Reformed. I they can't wait. Cool. I can't wait. It's like 150 years from now. Like, you know, Al Qaeda. Look, they definitely have a really bad history. But if you look now, you look I mean, now, like, I mean, like I they're mean, out now. there. They're out there. You know, protesting when the government tried to shut down that farming co-op. There was Al Qaeda right there with their banners. And... I can't wait to read the message boards. <laughs> look, if you guys look into the history of Al Qaeda, they actually were really once a really bad organization. We just lost about 63 listeners. <laughs> I hope you know. We apologize. We're getting a little carried away. <laughs> It's like now we're down to two. Oh, that's like, no, I just think it's funny, like just the, the long arc of history. It is. No, I, that is and no, some, religions some as a whole, ten, religions as a whole tend to soften their ideological um, rigidness over time. Christianity certainly has, uh, for so, sure. Yeah. Thanks, Christianity. Thanks, Christianity. There you go. Yes, we're equal opportunity offensive. <laughs> Um, let's see. Let me I don't want to. It just happens. Oh, that's pretty good for Minos. I just wanted to say I like the the other kind of the first sex scene in this story and the idea there of like how do we get? Because I don't know that kind of it's not quite forced, but it is to an extent. You know, this, how do we get this guy who's as gay as you mm-hmm. is to have really? sex with a lady? He is. Oh wow. He but is. I'm the alpha twink. Yeah, well, he's the alpha skunk. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I kind of like this, like, okay, how do we solve this problem? And I find that kind of hot, actually. Like, how do we get this guy the problem like, super solving gay? This is, I can definitely see this maybe like a, a formative skip taking to immediately. Yes, yes. Like, oh my god, they're solving problems. Ah, it's so pragmatic. Uh. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, well, look. You know, we have some kind of a little bit, not quite for sex, that's hot. You know, as you said, you got blindfolded, mm, and, and dirty you know, talk called, that. you know, you're right, called, you know, cub and bitch. But and, apparently you know, he likes that. Slapped around. And... He said he has, like, two kids, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Somebody else. I think he does, maybe. Or Ken does. Maybe Ken already does. And Ken's bi. Oh. Um, so, yeah, but I, I mean, there's, there's a lot that's uh, working for me. Porn wise, pulp wise, as you would say, um, definitely. So, I don't know. Is there any? I feel like I've talked for about eighty percent of this episode. Like I said, this is something that you've been reading for. I think uh, what? How many years? And I, I liked it. I really did like the the part you showed me. I made a little bit of fun about the straight sex scene because I always do because it's always well, fun. Well, because you can't make it through straight sex <laughs> without no. making uncomfortable faces. It's really, really entertaining. It's like sits there and he's like they say like. Vagina, <laughs> and he's like, ah, <laughs> don't do that. That's <laughs> drinking, you know. That's really mean. Is, it's true. No, though. it's like a stomach. That, I think I, I think I was a trooper. I was a trooper. You were a trooper, and I'm bi enough that I like the. You know, we've talked about this before. I'm like seventy thirty or seventy five twenty five or something like that. So I'm bi enough that, you know, I dig, 
the straight sex scenes. But yeah, I, I appreciate you trooping it out. And, you know, so the story was hopefully a little something for everybody. Um, but yes, uh, cool. Um, anything else? Um, bring it on other hurricanes? Yeah, there you go. Bring Word. it. Thanks. We can do this. As you move inland. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I don't think there's there's much. Uh, we just have to deal with crop failure. I think is our only issue in Amish country. <laughs> oh no, all the corn died. That and the English coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I uh, I think that about does it. I guess. So we will have a new story up for you next week. Um, we've got a couple possibilities. We're trying to pick what it is, so we'll figure that out today. And then in two weeks, come back and we will try this, uh, our first remote podcast and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. So. Should be good times. And then we'll have to get Toons' back as often as possible now that he has a car to come visit for the weekend and record with us. Reclaim my title as Driving Cat. Exactly. The cat Boldly won. Yes. Toons' The driving cat, the cat who could drive a car. He drives around all over the town. Toons is the driving cat. I'm not putting. See, he's trying. Now he's singing. Now he's got an. He told me he put the the bright eyes lyrics on the thing, but no, I like the Toons's song better. Yeah, I, I, it, in case you guys missed a couple weeks, I won't say which one it was, but at the end of the episode, or. At one point, while we were recording, I got up to he go put, grab no, he some put my, coffee. He put, I did it. I'll talk. I'll tell him about it. He put my lyrics at the at the um end of the at the end of the show, and it's like I don't know why. I don't have to have Easter egg. Driving cat. It makes more sense. It's an Easter egg. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, at the end of one of the episodes, oh, there's an Easter egg. That's good. And you can hear Spence. But no, he was yelling at me. He was yelling. And at you because... can hear Tunsa singing. He was yelling at me because he says, you never listen to the podcast. I'm here when I do it. I mean, what do I need to listen to it for? That's true. Like, study? Like, oh, I better do better next time. It's like, dear myself, stop sucking so bad. Yeah, like, what am I... Except when I'm supposed to. Yeah. (laughs) Love tunes. Make notes to myself for future podcasts. You're your own hardest critic. No, I'm not. I I do not care at all. I I could be the worst at this, and I would not be the least bit... You know, move to, 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 to get better. Well, next time, maybe we'll go with one of the stories you pick, and, and then you can talk most of the time next time. Mm-hmm. So then I'll feel better about myself. Yeah. Well, Skip, like I said, thanks for... for like. Well, you're welcome. You. You're welcome. No, I love it. I would encourage everyone to, to read them. We have the link up on the website, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are... Good Lord, what did he say? I mean, it's... You know, a couple hundred thousand words or something, I think now, and chapters and chapters and chapters. So, you know, go crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, read all the Aiden stories, because he's hot. For sure. For skunks, sure. No, skunks are the best. Skunks, skunks are, are my best. favorite. Skunks though. are pretty hot, yeah. Alright, so thank you, folks, and we will see you next time. Ciao.